2: Welcome to the program. It's Tuesday. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. And this is The Word to Stand On for Life, a program dedicated to taking your phone calls, answering your Bible questions, questions about stuff going on in your life and based on some of the questions about stuff going on in the lives of the people in the world out here. But all you have to do is call us, 210-340-9585. If you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call toll-free at 877 630 KSLR numerically that's six three zero five seven five seven. You can email questions by emailing questions at calvarysa.com dot com, or you can use our free Calvary Chapel of San Antonio mobile app. And as always, if you're in your car, the safest way to call. Use the free KSLR mobile app. Hit the call now banner at the top of the screen. Everything else will be hands free, and you will be connected directly to our studio producer. So, lots, lots, lots going on. Um, you can pray for us. Big day for us tonight. We have our high school awards banquet. Uh, which will be going on tonight, and we're going to have to run out of here right as soon as the program is over. We're in our final week of school, and things are getting busy. And tomorrow, just for a programming note, uh, I'm going to have our graduates uh, from our senior class Uh, who are going to be on the program. We do that every year on the Wednesday. Paul and I have the privilege of taking them all to lunch, and then we come back and we have them on the radio show, and that's always interesting. So uh, we'll take a break in our typical format tomorrow uh, for our seniors. Pray all is going well with you. Let me go right to the phones. We have uh, Horacio from San Marcos on line one. Horacio, thank you for calling. You're on the air.
0: Oh, Pastor, I have a prayer request for the uh, people involved in the shooting in Uvalde.
2: Yes. Yeah. D- d- we-, we will be praying for do you-, do you have any more information, Horacio, the last that we heard? There's been no- uh, nobody hurt uh, that that was confirmed, but um, I don't think. Okay, now we're hearing two people. Two, two pe- deaths? Death? Yeah. Oh. Two deaths, okay, possibly my goodness. more
0: uh, children. Okay.
2: Okay, Horatio, we will, but I, I didn't get that update. So, yeah, let's pray for them right now, okay? Father, once again, tragedy has struck, uh, and this time to the most innocent among us, the children. We pray, O oh Lord, that you comfort the, the families. We pray for the children who might be uh, wounded or hurt now, and we ask that you uh, would wrap your arms around them and, and, and just keep them safe. Lord, we ask you to stop this madness. Jesus, it's things like this that makes us cry out. Come quickly, Lord. Come quickly. By the power of your Spirit, Lord, help stop this insanity. We know the devil's angry. He knows his time is short. And he's using humans to do his work. Oh God, please help. Please protect and comfort families in a supernatural way that can only come from heaven. We pray, oh God, that if nothing else comes out of this, that people understand that time is short here and they'll come to know you by faith for your glory. Please protect that city, protect those people, and comfort them, God. Amen. Horatio, thank you for that. I am um, devastated once again because of all of this stuff. (sighs) Summer way to start the program today. Here is a question from uh, our email inbox. This one is anonymous. Um, Hi, Pastor Ron. What are your thoughts about Nancy Pelosi and her getting denied communion by Archbishop uh, Cordelione because of her support of abortion? Um, I'm not going to read all of this anonymous. She writes, Associated Press reports that. After numerous attempts to speak with her to help her understand the grave evils she's perpetrating, the scandal she's causing, and the danger to her own soul she's risking, I've determined that the point has come in which I must make a public declaration that she is not to be admitted to holy communion. And then uh, the 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 uh, listener uh, gives her response, and her response isn't worth. Uh, sharing on the radio, but here's the thing, and I think uh, the question that comes up at the end of this is: uh, I read this and I can't help but think the Catholic religion is a joke. What are your thoughts about this situation? What are your thoughts about the Catholic religion? How come all the archbishops don't hold the same standard for everyone, including the president? Where is the Pope in all this? Can he break the tie? I'm going to be really blunt here, you know. After we we just get a prayer request for the uh, children in Uvalde for the city there that's undergoing this tragedy. Um, frankly, nobody cares what Nancy Pelosi thinks. Uh, we should pray for her. She needs Jesus. Uh, but all religion, Anonymous, is a joke. It really is. It has absolutely no value at all. These people um, that uh, were confirmed and baptized as Catholics, uh, they're holding on to a eternal life insurance policy that's never going to get paid. And religion never changes a heart. And that's why we say all the time, you must be born again. You need a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's not available through religion. And many, 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 I dare say even most professing Catholics are voting for abortion candidates. And it doesn't matter where you go in this country, that's always the case. They lean to be left and um, again, um, that's, that's a general rule. Uh, and, and they're voting for murdering children. It's just that simple. And if they had a relationship with Jesus Christ, they couldn't do that. Now, that doesn't mean they would have to embrace the right or conservatism, but, but they just simply wouldn't be able to vote for these people who have perpetuated the innocent slaughter of unborn children for all of these years. 65 million children have been murdered. Since 1973, when Roe v. Wade became a bad law of this land. And now we've got um, Democratic candidates and a president who proclaims proudly their Catholicism. And religion has not changed their hearts one bit. Not one bit. And a religion that can't change your heart is a religion that is not of God at all but of the Antichrist. So uh, I hope that's really, really clear. I um, uh, th- this, this cardinal who um, has um, um, taken a stand, or the archbishop that's taken a stand um, with the president and with Nancy Pelosi is to be commended. He is at least taking a stand for righteousness. But remember, he too needs to be born again. The Pope, where is he in all this? He is a man who needs to be born again. Being Pope doesn't get you to heaven. It's that simple. And I want everybody to understand, because I always get accused of Catholic bashing. I'm not being a Catholic, going to Calvary Chapel of San Antonio, uh, being a faithful attendee at church every Sunday. None of that saves anyone. A personal relationship with Jesus Christ is the only thing that saves. And until we understand that, then we're always going to have the wrong idea about all of this stuff. So, Anonymous, thank you for sending the question in. Um, It's just terrible that this is where religion has led humanity. This is from Stephen from our email inbox. Uh, He says, Hi, Pastor Ron, this Matthew 1039. Um, It says, whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Does that apply to, uh, and I don't really understand this, who wants to give up their gifts and talents for Jesus? Um, this, this isn't about. Uh, and let me, let me read a little bit further into his letter, and then we'll all we'll, deal with it. He says, I see that there are many music and movie stars, athletes, entertainers, public figures, social media influencers, who are all using their gifts to make money, and during that they talk about Jesus. Uh, however, they don't live for Jesus. If someone is truly and radically converted, wouldn't they give up their skills and talents and serve Jesus only? For example, a movie star who's about Jesus will only make Christian movies. An athlete who who is about, only about Jesus will not be making millions and millions of dollars, buying everything and live uh, only for Jesus. A rapper, singer, and he goes on and on about this, um, I mean, responds with the the person who does not, Jesus also responds with the person who does not deny himself is not worthy of heaven. And if you deny me in front of men, he will deny us before our heavenly father. And then he says, uh, autobiographically, before I came to the Lord, I was making over $150,000 a year. People told me and the Lord spoke to my heart about giving up my job so that I can be with Jesus and highlighted those verses. How come I have to give up my 150000 a year using my gifts, but these millionaires don't have to give up their money when they're constantly talking about Jesus and believe they're going to heaven? Um, Stephen, this is a troubling letter for me. It's troubling, Um, one, because you misunderstand um, Jesus' intent of saying whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses it for him will find it. I think that's the hardest verse in the Bible for most of us to accept, but it doesn't really have anything to do with money, whether you keep it or not. Now, believe me, there are a lot of really, really wealthy Christians who are committed not only to sharing the gospel, they're committed to, to walking with and serving Jesus Christ with all of their hearts. And the gift of money that God has blessed them with is part of what God is using to gain glory for himself through them. So it's, it's wonderful. God has people everywhere. If somebody is a music star or a movie star or a star athlete or a rapper, um, you know, God has people everywhere. And some of those people are wealthy. Uh, People will pay for whatever it is that they're they're using. And God is going to let them keep most of that money. What he's not going to do is let somebody who's coveting money keep it. So I think what you need to do, and this is why it's troubling, Stephen, you're judging a bunch of people based on what you say the Lord spoke to your heart. And and if He spoke to your heart about giving up your hundred fifty thousand dollar a year job, based on your faulty understanding of Matthew ten thirty nine, um, then then I would ask you to prayerfully reconsider that. Jesus is simply saying in that passage of Scripture that the pursuit of our goals, the pursuit of our Gifts, the pursuit of, of uh, wherever it is God has put us in our life, that has to come secondarily to Jesus. Uh, I too, uh, Stephen, I, I was very very wealthy, made lots and lots of money. Uh, sin stole it all. I, I, I lost it all. Um, and, and and still, ostensibly I'm getting old, but ostensibly I have the the ability to make money. God asked me to put that aside so that I can serve him. And I've never regretted it. And one reason this is troubling for me is that you seem to regret giving up your $150,000 a year a job and, and, and even are harboring a little bit of bitterness toward those who have money. Uh, believe me, God has people with money and they're serving him with all of their hearts. The other thing we have to consider here, practically, Stephen, is that uh, not everybody who says they're a Christian really is. That's between them and the Lord. But if God asked you to give up your $150,000 a year job and you resent it, then there's an issue with your heart. You can't outgive God, Stephen. If He asked you to do this, then you'd be happy to have done it the way I am. Uh, money means nothing to me. I had all kinds of money, and now I consider myself one of the richest men on the face of the earth, and it has nothing to do with money because I don't have any. But if money's a problem for you, maybe God did ask you to take it away. But again, I want to caution you if you gave it up, that job, based on a misunderstanding of what um, Jesus is saying in Matthew chapter 10, and he says it in other Gospels as well, um, then then, then I would I would really ask you to reconsider what it is. Maybe God wants to you to use your gifts and your talent and making money, but then what you've got to do is say, okay, Lord, all my money is yours. How much do you want me to bless others with your money? And he's going to let you keep most of it? But this is a test to see if he can trust you with money. But believe me, there's nothing wrong with Christians who have money as long as money is not their little G god. You know, in the, the story Jesus tells of his encounter with the rich young ruler. Uh, he told the rich young ruler to sell everything that he had, give it to the poor, and follow him. But the reason he did that was because this rich young ruler, who had everything in life going for him, this rich young ruler... Well, his money was an idol. The Bible says he walked away sad because he had great wealth and he didn't want to give it up. In other words, Jesus said, make a choice, me or your money. And he chose his money. You know, the interesting thing is if he would have said, I'll give it all up to follow you, uh, Jesus probably would let him keep it, most of it. But the problem is, I think sometimes we try to work our way into the grace of God. By denying ourselves stuff, there's nothing wrong with money at all, Stephen. And if somebody has a skill um, that is marketable and they can make millions and millions of dollars and they really do belong to the Lord, then I can promise you that those gifts are going to be used for God's glory and for the benefit of God's people. So I hope that makes sense to you. Stephen, let me say one other thing here. We have a policy at our church. We never ask for money and we never let our needs be known. God knows that we are trusting him for every need. And that goes through for our radio programs, this live show. We've never asked for a dime. Our teaching programs, you know, most of the teaching programs now have all these solicitations for money in them. We don't have uh, not even a hint of a solicitation for money or support. We believe God will provide if God is really the one directing us into this ministry, And believe me, there's a lot of generous people who without ever being asked have been used by God to bless our ministry. And they're racking up rewards in heaven. So God has one plan for one person, another plan for another person. His plan for me was that I would never have a lot of money again. And I'm fine with that. uh, But that's not His plan for everybody. And here's sort of the punchline Don't look at others. Don't look out. Stephen, look in and ask God, Where's my heart with this, Lord? And I can just tell you up front, if you resent people that make money keeping it, even though you don't know that they're using it for God's glory, then you've got some issues that God is trying to dig in and deal with. And Stephen, if you let him deal with it, your life will be rich beyond imagination. So thank you very, very much for the question. I appreciate it. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Here is a question from our mobile app. It is from Kim, and she writes in there, female. Thank you, Kim. I appreciate it. Um, she says, in Philippians 4.23, Paul sends a Philippians greetings from Caesar's household. Is that the Caesar, narrow, Was he referring to members of Nero's household? The reference, Kim, I think is more general than that, but certainly would extend to those in Caesar's household. And the idea here is uh, the gospel was great news for slaves. And remember, in the Roman Empire, uh, slaves outnumbered free men and women uh, four to one. And and as slaves were getting uh, served, some of them even slaves in Nero's household others, slaves who were serving other Roman governors, um, they were getting saved. And so what Paul is saying to the Philippians is, hey, there's a bunch of people here from Rome, a bunch of people, even those in Caesar's household, meaning primarily slaves, those are the people that um, are, are he, he's sending greetings. So almost like he said, hey, tell him we said hi. Tell him we, we love him. Tell him we're praying for him. And that's the kind of greetings that he was sending. You know, Paul's ministry was, uh, ministry to the Gentiles was very effective. And people were getting saved over and over and over. And Kim, if you want to read an example of that, Uh, Here's the the example. Uh, Read the little precious book of Philemon in your New Testament. Uh, That's about a runaway slave who came to faith in Jesus Christ, uh, listening to Paul proclaim the gospel, and, and his journey back to the slave owner that he ran away from who just coincidentally—and remember, there's no coincidences in the kingdom of God—who coincidentally happened to get saved under the same Apostle Paul's ministry as well. It's a great, great story, and that's just the way—that's uh, what, what is meant here in this story. Thank you very, very much. Let's go to Jacob from Seguin on line one. Jacob, thank you for calling. You're on the air.
1: Yes, Reverend— uh, I, I I totally agree with you about religion keeping from the Lord. It will, but mm-hmm. I don't understand why you uh use the Catholic Bibles or the NIV, and you you support uh, Rick Warren, who is a Catholic sympathizer. If he's not a Jesuit, you know I think he is, but I don't know for sure. I was reading something called the, the, the Abomination of the Alexandrian Cult. And I hate to say it, man. You should read this, man. It's, uh, you're part of that, and you don't even realize it. All the TV evangelists are. <laughs> every one of them. I mean, I mean I'm not trying to yeah. pick on you, man. I, I just want you uh, to, it, it's, you don't d- believe there's a Bible. D- 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 you can d- g- hold it. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. You don't know there's, you don't believe there's a Bible. Hold in your hand. Say, this is the Word of God without error and preserved. You don't believe that. That's part of the Alexander cult lie. Uh, but, if I had, well, Jacob, you don't know what you're—I'm
2: I'm, going to cut you off, Jacob, because you, I'm going I'm to cut you off. Uh, I hope you'll stick around and listen just for a minute because you don't know what you're talking about. And you're talking about God's people. I believe that the Bible is the Word of God. If you're a King James-only guy and that's your agenda, you don't understand our Bible or how we got it at all. Uh, you're making serious accusations. You, you said, I support Rick Warren. I've never given Rick Warren a dollar or a dime. I don't support his ministry at all. I've stated on this program many times that he and I do things completely different. But I know Rick Warren personally. I know he is a believer. He loves Jesus. And the fact that we do things differently doesn't make me better than him. And he's going to stand before the Lord. The Bible says clearly, Jacob, who are you to judge another man's servant? And your phone call was nothing but judgment. Nothing at all but judgment. I don't support the Catholic Bible. Uh, I get questions about it all the time. Um, So uh, you're you're really treading on dangerous water here, Jacob, because you're judging people that you don't know and speaking of things that you don't know anything about. So, Jacob, I appreciate the call, but, um, you, you know, fruit of the Spirit is love, and without love... And there's no love in your phone calls. I think you've called one other time and there's absolutely no love. So my, my counsel to you, Jacob, will be to get filled with the Holy Spirit. Stop making false accusations and decide uh, that your walk with Jesus is all that matters. How can someone say they love God who they have not seen when they hate their brother who they have seen? That comes from the Apostle John himself. So, Jacob... Hope you take that to heart. We're inside about two minutes here now for this half of the program. Um here is a question I can do quickly from Veronica. She says, Pastor Ron, how do we know Christianity is true when Muslims and others also claim their religion is true? Veronica, it's a wonderful question. It's a question you need to, to really dig in and find the answer to, but it's simple. We have an empty tomb. Only our Jesus said he was going to be killed and was. Said he was going to rise from the dead and was, uh, and and said he would be alive forever and is. Um, you Muslims, as if is the, is the, the, the uh, example you used, um, if if uh, Muhammad is alive or um, um, then then you know they, they should present that, but that's simply not the case. Um, there's a lot of sincere people, but sincerity is not the measure of heaven. Jesus demonstrated beyond any doubt that he is true. He said he's the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. If Jesus didn't die and wasn't risen from the dead, well then, Veronica, um, he would be a liar like all of the others. But we know Christianity is true. It is verifiable. It is provable. And and uh, all one has to do is go examine the empty tomb. And it's at that point where you know that this is different from all of the others. So, Veronica, it's very important that you dig in and find out what's true. Uh, when somebody says uh, Allah is God or Muhammad is his prophet, uh, they better be able to prove it. When somebody says Buddha is God, when somebody says anybody can be God, uh, they better be able to prove it because eternity... Eternity hangs in the balance, and only our Jesus came to earth as a man, after living a perfect life, without sin, took the punishment that you and I deserve, Veronica, and when they killed him, he didn't stay dead just the way the Bible predicted So that's how we know for sure, and you never have to doubt that, Veronica. Hey, we've got 30 minutes left in the program, 340-9585. We'll be back in two minutes.
1: to the word to stand on for life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630 KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh.
2: Welcome back to the second half of our program at 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Um, I'm, I'm my heart is broken to report this, but we just got an update uh, from our studio Um, The um, um, incident in Uvalde, Uh, 14 children are dead. Uh, A teacher is also dead. Um, There are others who are hurt, uh, at least one in critical condition. Uh, The gunman was also killed. Uh, But this is a tragedy that is um, just unspeakable horror. And it's a time where we as believers, we need to really, really be praying for the city, families of those who have been lost, those children, um, this is an elementary school, so I, I'll just be very general in my statement, uh, they've been taken, um, into the presence of Jesus Christ, it doesn't diminish, uh, the pain that we're suffering and we're feeling here on earth, and especially those who, who are family members, um, but we really need to pray for them, and I would like to pray uh, again now at the top of the um, uh, this half hour, and just ask God for mercy. Merciful God, please, please touch these families that are devastated, protect the children who have survived. Supernaturally, Lord, bring a peace that passes understanding. And oh God, come quickly, Jesus, come quickly, and rescue us from this world gone absolutely mad. Lord, for those who are injured, Protect their lives, God, please. Protect their lives. And in some way that we can't even imagine now, Lord, would you redeem this for your glory? Show us, Lord, the church of Jesus Christ, Christians everywhere, how we can help. And may we literally be on our knees interceding on behalf of these precious children and their families who are hurting now at a depth, at a level that we can't even understand. Lord, may your light shine through us and for your glory. Redeem this, O God, we ask in your precious name. Amen. That's hard. You know, I said at the beginning of the program, we're having a um, high school awards banquet tonight. That's hard stuff. Hard stuff when people are dealing with this kind of insanity. The world has gone crazy. The devil is busy. And what that means for all of us as Christians is that we need to be about the business of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. This, this is a time for outrage, surely. That's, that's obvious. However, the way how we respond in our outrage as believers is we've got to be active in sharing our faith. This family sent their kids off to school this morning and they had no idea. They would never see those children again. We need to tell people about Jesus. Those families are now dealing with this unfathomable grief and many of them don't know Jesus Christ. We need to be active in sharing our faith. It is the most important mission that any of us have. And It's at times like this when these kind of tragedies occur that I hope we all realize that it's not about church scandals, it's not about... Questions about doctrine or arguments over uh, which Bible we use. What matters now is are we active in sharing our faith so that people have a hope, a hope for eternity. Hope that makes sense to everybody in the listening audience. Let's go to Cesar on line one from San Antonio. Cesar, thank you for calling. You're on the air.
1: Yes, Pastor Ron. I just wanted to let you know that I need a word to stand on. Okay. <laughs> but uh, my question is, um, when should we, uh, when should we cease to pray for some? Well, hold on. Let me rephrase. Um, I just went blank right now, Pastor Ron.
0: Okay. I got my question now. Okay. Um, when should we stop asking Jesus to fix somebody's heart versus just asking Jesus just to take them out? And my example would be
1: like, I guess, a pedophilic rapist. Like, when should we cease to stop for a heart change versus you know the other? Thank you for your for your answer and advice.
2: thank you, Caesar. Appreciate it very very much. And I don't know if you're singing on the worship team at whatever church you go to, but that's a good voice, brother. You should you should be doing that. Um, a couple of things. We should never stop praying. We should never stop praying. Uh, Jesus told a parable about the persistent widow, and 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 we're we're in that widow. We're given the 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 purpose of it. This was so that we would not give up praying. That we would continue steadfast in yeah. prayer. So we never give up. Um, I think it's perfectly appropriate, honestly, to to approach the Lord and say, you know, God, I'm frustrated. I pray for this man or this woman. And their heart never seems to change. But because you said so, Lord, I'm not going to give up. And you can keep praying for them and praying for them. And uh, I just think that we we really need to, to be um, um, persevering in prayer constantly for them. Having said that, we also know that God alone knows when that person has crossed a line. Um, um, he, he's, he tells his prophets, stop praying for these people because their judgment has been determined. And, and I think that's the case. We don't have to know. Our heart before the Lord is that we want all people to be saved. We know that because that's his heart. God is patient, unwilling that any should perish, Peter says. So what we do then is... Simply declare, God, uh, you know this person's heart. You know where they are. And all I can do is ask you, God, to continue to penetrate their hard heart. Please affect the change, O Lord. Now, this is a very personal question for me, Caesar, because um, as you may know if you've listened to the program for any length of time, Paula prayed for me for 13 years. For 13 years she prayed for me. Um, and and believe me, it didn't look like her prayers were ever going to pay off. But she didn't quit. And my heart grew harder and harder and harder. And in fact, it sounded or seemed to her as though I was getting farther and farther and farther away from any possible conversion to faith. But God was at work the whole time, and I'm so grateful that she didn't give up. So we never give up. And and we, we also need to be really careful. I don't think this is the word that you use, Caesar. But sometimes we think, well, well, Lord, give them what they deserve. Um, we don't want to pray that for anybody. We don't want that for us. We don't want to pray that for anybody else. Um, what we always need to do is remember what Romans 5.5 5 says, that God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit that he's given us. That means, Caesar, that you and I have God's love in our heart for every human being on this planet. And some of them are really difficult to love, just like I was difficult to love before I came to faith. And so, what we need to do is have enough faith to make a a withdrawal of love from that account that God opened in our heart. And we need to really protect ourselves against becoming hard or cold hearted. Against people, no matter how horrible they get, you know we got to be really careful not to get to that point where it's, I don't even want them in heaven, and and that's that's what our flesh does. So keep on praying and remember that God knows those who are His. He knows those who are going to become His, and your prayers and people witnessing. Uh, in some cases, are going to do nothing more than stand as a testimony against those people at the judgment. They will be without excuse when every knee bows and every tongue confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord. Thank you for calling, Caesar. I appreciate it very, very much. Here is a question from our mobile app. This one is from Scott. He says, the king's splendor in Revelation 21, 24 is that a symbol of the crowns we will lay at God's feet. Um, no, I think this is the, the um, millennial reign of Christ on earth. Um, uh, the, the, the kings who will bring their splendor. Uh, these are the kings of the earth. These are people in their flesh and blood bodies um, um, who will come to Jerusalem. And when they come to Jerusalem they will um give everything to the Lord. I mean it's 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 just them worshiping God in the way that John would understand in Revelation twenty-one twenty-four. Now, Scott, there are some different understandings of this passage of Scripture. Um, you know, he's described heaven and the gates of the city um, And some say, "Well, this is the new heaven and the new earth." I don't believe that's the case. I believe it's the millennial kingdom. Uh, The one thing that we need to remember is that that nations, uh, ethnos, Gentiles are going to be streaming into, uh, and this is an Old Testament uh, picture or Jewish understanding of defeated kings bringing in tribute to the victorious king. And since Jesus is the victorious king, that's the picture here. Now, again, I personally don't believe that that is literal. I think that's a way in John's vision that he would have understood what was going on. So it's not you and me throwing our crowns. That's going to happen at the Bema seat, the B-E-M-A seat, uh, it is the judgment seat of Christ for believers, not not for salvation, but for the judgment of our works. And when we receive our crowns of righteousness, um, uh, we will cast those down at the feet of Jesus in, a, in effect, saying, Lord, we earned these because of your grace. And one of the reasons that we want every crown coming to us, Scott, is because Uh, we want to be able to have those crowns to throw down at the feet of Jesus as our way of honoring him, uh, a method of tribute uh, in in those days. So don't confuse the rapture and in heaven with that which is happening here on earth, Revelation 21, 24, and it seems to have confused a lot of commentators over the years. Thank you for that. Here is a question from Nacho from our email inbox. Uh, A friend of mine says that Philippians chapter 3 verses 7 and 8 is a passage that means that we Christians should be poor and remain poor. I think it's a spiritual point uh, that it means that everything that I have gained in knowledge and social advantage and everything that I have accomplished in my own strength are the things that I should give up or lose, as Paul puts it in verse 8. And I'm going to read verse 8. He says, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Then he says, uh, this is back to Nacho, but I do not think it means giving up on whatever financial gain I currently have. You're right, Nacho. This isn't about us giving up our financial gain. This has nothing to do with us being poor. Uh, In context, Paul is talking about his history as a Jew, a self-righteous, zealous uh, he thought law-abiding Jew and and position and everything in the past. None of that matters to him now, and he's literally cast away all those old things um, for the sake of of uh, the the privilege and honor of following Jesus now. So it doesn't matter. And I think sometimes I think this is more to the point. I think sometimes we had a caller in the first half of the of the program talking about giving up a job. Um, you know when 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 Jesus asks us to give something up for his glory, then there 's no regret paul doesn 't regret not being a leader of the of the Pharisees uh, he doesn 't regret having a position of influence and authority and losing that he has become literally nothing for the honor of following Jesus. And basically what he's saying is all that old stuff in my life, none of that has any value whatsoever to me any longer. And I think the, the, the real application for us is we have a tendency to look back at our old lives and think, well, you know, I used to have fun or I used to be able to do these things or I used to have money or I used to be a boss or had influence. And and the, the Christian that, that Paul is talking about is the man or the woman who says none of that matters now. It is all meaningless. So I consider all of that loss and then on the gain side or the asset side of the balance sheet is all of the things that we get to do for Jesus Christ. And I love that Paul calls it the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. So the old is gone, the new has come, forget the old, and focus on the new. And that's what's being communicated here, Nacho. Good question. Yeah, there's... there's. Um, believe me, I want to say this again, based on the first half of the program and this question. Uh, God is not necessarily for people being poor. What God wants is for people to be trustworthy with their material blessings. Men and women that God can trust... And if he can trust them with material blessings, then he is going to continue to bless them with material blessings. So there's nothing wrong. We've got to get this idea that, that, you know, if I give my life to Jesus, I'm going to be poor and I'm going to be broke and my life is going to be difficult. None of that's true. Uh, If he can trust you with money, then he's going to bless you with more because he knows you're going to use it for his glory. You're going to understand rightfully so that everything you have belongs to him. So Nacho, thanks for that. I hope that makes sense to you. Three four zero ninety five eighty five for your live calls and questions. Here is a question from Curtis. Um, Curtis, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold this question, okay? Based on what happened today in Uvalde, I'm gonna hold this question uh, for for next week. I think I think that's a good idea. It's a question about children and stuff. So uh, Patricia asks. Why does God include suffering in this world as a part of living here and getting to heaven? Um, it's it's not suffering as, okay, because I suffer here, I'm going to get to heaven. Suffering is what the Christian does in a world given over to sin. Patricia, based on what happened in uh, Uvalde today, there, people are suffering. This is part and parcel of, of a fallen world. We see filth, and we see sin, and we see murder, and we see everything all around us and we suffer. And the perpetrators of the evil, they're going to make sure we suffer because we who stand for Jesus Christ are going to be persecuted for our faith. And that's suffering and nobody wants to suffer, but we need to embrace those sufferings, not enjoy them. That would be silliness, but to embrace them the way Paul did. He said, he said uh, he, he actually referred to it as sharing in the fellowship of Jesus' sufferings. And he considered that an honor. Now, he didn't like being beaten. And all you have to do is read 2 Corinthians 11 and 12. And you, you read about the things that, that he went through in his ministry, the, the, the horrible things that he suffered. And his response to that is well, well I'm just sharing in the fellowship of Jesus' sufferings. I'm becoming more like him. And so suffering is part and parcel for those of us who live in this world, whether we're a believer or an unbeliever. We believers, however, we don't suffer alone. And Jesus will use that suffering to make us more like him. And we know, Paul writes, that God works all things together for the good of those who love him And who are called according to his purpose. And suffering is part of that. Again, Patricia, nobody wants to suffer. But we have to realize that that's part of what we do. Jesus said, they hated me, they're going to hate you. They beat me, they're going to beat you. They insulted me, they're going to insult you. What we have to do is do our best not to take it personal and understand that when we're suffering... Two things are happening, we're being conformed even more to the image and likeness of our Jesus. The second thing we have to remember is that God is using us to win others in this world who are suffering, so that we can comfort others with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. That's Second Corinthians chapter one, as the book opens. So Patricia, um, he includes suffering because that's in all of our future uh, wish it weren't so. Um, but that's also the reason that we look to heaven instead of looking to earth to satisfy us. Billy asked this question Is it hypocritical to be pro life and oppose same sex adoption? I think it is. Billy, that's an interesting uh, question. I don't think it is at all. Um, you know, I, we're pro life but to place a child in a home that is given over to evil that's given over to wickedness uh, is um, um, th- that would be sin. How could we in good conscience um, suggest even that well a-, a child is better in in an evil home rather than in in no home at all um, I-, I think these kind of of, of Polarizing choices uh, are are sort of a dishonest way, Billy, of of trying to make a point. Um, We have to be pro-life. We're pro-life because we have Jesus in our hearts. Uh, But we're also pro-living. And to um, assign children uh, into um, a home where two homosexuals uh, are going to raise them and teach them their values uh, is um, is evil as well. So no, um, Billy, I think what we ought to do is we ought to be pro-life and pro-living. So here's the thing. If you're a Christian, um, then then maybe what you ought to do is look into adopting uh, or fostering children. You know, it's funny because we talk about how, how uh, we need to be willing to adopt. And, and I've got Dozens of families in my church that would be willing to adopt right now. But it's so difficult and it's so expensive. And and, and so the world isn't really worried about making it easier. But believe me, there is no virtue at all. Uh, Placing children in a home given over to evil, that's going to tilt the scales um, in in the decisions that they make about the lifestyles, uh, choices that they make. So, Billy, no, it's not hypocritical at all. Uh, I think we've got time for one more question. Here is a question from Michelle. She says, "What is the best way to pursue God's will and find it? Um Michelle Romans 12, 1 and two is the best way. It's sort of formulaic. Um, that doesn't mean that 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 it's it's an absolute guarantee. but um, Paul says, uh, in view of everything God's done, in view of his mercy, in view of his grace, in view of his sacrificial life and death, uh, offer your bodies as living sacrifices to God. Uh, he says it's our reasonable service in the King James or it is our spiritual act of worship or genuine worship in the NIV. Um, and and uh, then he says not to be conformed any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed changed completely by the renewing of your mind, and then you will be able to find God's perfect, pleasing, and acceptable will. So, Michelle, that's the way to do it. The way to do it, say, Jesus, I'm all yours. I'm not going to pursue what I want any longer. I'm going to live my life every day following you. What do you want, Lord? You've done everything for me. Now, I want to offer everything that I have and everything that I am to you. And here's my promise, Michelle. He won't give you the directions. He won't give you the roadmap. I think too often we're impatient and we want to know, okay, God, what am I going to be doing in 10 years? He's not going to do that. But here's what he's going to do. He's going to every day say to you, follow me. And if you follow Jesus today, and then you get up tomorrow and you follow Jesus again tomorrow, And you do it again and again. You're going to wake up in five years or ten years and you're going to be able to know beyond any doubt that you're in the perfect will of God. And that is the only place, Michelle, where we're going to have the complete and utter joy of, of knowing what it means to be with Jesus. So believe me, you can find it. He just won't let you know what it is going to be ahead of time. So just be with Jesus. Follow Jesus and you will find yourself right in the middle of God's perfect will. Michelle, thank you for the question. Hey, I'm going to, we're going to, the music's going to start in a moment, but again, please keep uh, the the situation and the people uh, in you, Valby, in our prayers. Um, Jesus, we ask you to comfort them, to bless them. We ask you to uh, make something out of this horror. And by the power of your spirit, Lord, Bring relief. Lord willing, I'll be back tomorrow at 4 o'clock on AM 6, State of the Word. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. We'll see you then.
1: Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4